Welcome back to the Fourier Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a whole all-star week and has had a lot of highs and lows. We had a draft, really exciting. Home run derby is kind of there. The all-star game recorded the lowest viewership in 25 years. Also, baseball. We've got to cover everything. The first half is over. we got to see what teams have done good, what's gone bad, and we got thoughts on that. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. Good all-star break. Good solid you know recovery for everyone uh we took a little break from filming um stevs how we doing i am excited to talk about this stuff also weekend is always just a fun time to just see the mlb players they kind of like look up to right just act like children that's literally what this event kind of is that's like you literally saw ron in the home run derby you saw ronald Cunha jr just literally laying on his stomach just watching them hit home runs right it's just it's a breath of fresh air for everybody. And I do agree with Brad, though also he was a little lackluster this year. So So where do you guys want to start? Do you want to talk about that lackluster all-star game? We had some thoughts on the draft. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with the all-star game. I feel like that's that's yeah. more recent. We gotta we gotta cover that first. Um Brad, what are your initial thoughts on the all-star game? So I tuned in for like a, an inning. I was out on work related stuff. I tuned in. And it feels very, I, I feel like the word I would describe with this is forced. They like, they try and keep emphasizing that it's the biggest stars. Yes, it is the all-star game, but it's the biggest stars in baseball, you know, going back, facing each other for no real purpose. Um, no trout. Like that's a pretty big blow right there. You're missing your biggest stars across the board, even if whether they were injured, whether they weren't performing as well this year, I feel like there needs to be some reconciliation for like a Nolan Arenado. Guys like him, even though they're not having the greatest season, those are your stars. Those are the people you know who casual fans know. I feel like they need to be in the game. Yeah, and I feel like that was a problem across a couple uh, franchises. I mean, I'm reading an article right now and I think one of the reasons the viewership was low, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but there was only two players from both the Red Sox and the Yankees. Those are two of the biggest franchises in baseball. There's not much representation of those teams. Obviously, I don't know if they deserve to be on, on the starting team, but like that, that, that in itself is going to take away several viewers. Of, I mean, several thousand viewers, like a pretty large chunk of baseball fans. No, that's true. And it's oh. like the biggest one is there. Sorry. When, like they didn't have judge. Or Otani pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Otani didn't pitch either. So, I mean, there, what is the point of watching if Otani's not pitching, if you're not bringing out the biggest stars in the game, if the big market teams who supply all the viewers are not starting in the game or playing in the game, it's hard to get viewers when half the team is starting like from Texas or Tampa Bay. When they are the best in the league, it's just not that good for viewership. I mean, I don't, I don't, I understand your point, Tom. I think it's just kind of a dumb argument. Like the all-star team should be made up of the best players throughout that season. The Yankees and Red Sox are not playing very well. Therefore, they shouldn't have those high-level players in the all-star game, right? Yeah, I just feel the like Rangers do. I mean, and, and I understand that point, but I feel like that's a dumb argument. My argument is that Geraldo Perdomo was in the game, and that's really all that matters to me. <laughs> No, he should not have been on the team. That no, that was over, a vote for guys. player of the month. That was your vote. That was your our vote, we. Who we. won? I I was violently against that, and I'm still. I thought it was very funny that, that Geraldo Perdomo was there, so I voted for him. Uh, now looking back, I would have definitely picked Lindor, but but Lindor got hot at the beginning of this month. 
Yeah, so that's that's definitely another thing to take into consideration. But I think I mean you, you compare two guys. You got Geraldo Perdomo, a mediocre player on a small market team, to Francisco Lindor, a like seven-time All-Star Gold Glove winner on a huge market team in the Mets. There's a big difference there. I'm not saying if Lindor was there, the viewership would have been drastically different, but it would have made a, a difference to see a bigger name player on a bigger name team, for, at least for the fans. I think like I, I was with some Orioles fans when the game was going on and they were super excited because their guys were finally in it, right? They had Rutschman, they had Hayes who started due to injuries. They had, did they have many other guys in the, I don't remember completely who else was in it from the Orioles. Uh, I mean, Bautista, Yanir Cano. Yeah. And like they were super excited to see their guys because this is really the first time they've had real representation in the Ulster game in six, seven years. And I feel like that's good for those markets, but those are the small markets. And to Tom's point, like having the Yankees, having the Red Sox, it's not necessarily that these were the best players during the season, but you got to appeal to the big markets. And the thing that's different from a World Series where you might have like an Orioles Diamondbacks, that's that could happen this year. Like that could very reasonably happen this year if they both get hot at the beginning of the postseason. Everyone cares about the World Series. It doesn't matter if it's the two smallest market teams or the two biggest market teams, right? The World Series is the biggest thing in baseball. The All-Star game, you look for your players. You look for guys you really like, but if you miss it, you miss it. Yeah. I I kind of agree with that. I think it's definitely – I think a lot of the viewers – come from those big market teams but i think regardless people are going to watch the world series the all-star game is less you know less important to fans uh, i mean even me a, a big baseball fan missed a majority of the game just because i was busy and i didn't have the time or really was interested in watching it um so like like so the day before right we we were hanging out and we were doing stuff and we made time for the home run derby because we were excited to go watch the home run derby we're like, yeah, we don't really need to make time for the All-Star game. Like, if we get around to it, oh, well. Because at the end of the day, I really didn't expect Josiah Gray to get into the game. And, he, I mean, he did. He, he pitched well for the one inning he was in. Um, But, like, I, I, if my players aren't out there, then, I'm again, I'm not going to care. I want to ask you guys, because I know this is an idea that's kind of floated around. What do you guys think about the world versus, like, America, like, USA kind of format that people have been floating around i think it would get the players a little bit more involved i don't know how much about the fans we saw how the world baseball classic like that 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 performed very well and i think there could be some pride represented like world versus usa like i think the players would like that a little bit more um i I, there definitely does need to be a change to the game i i don't know about that world format i mean because it says more about representing the U.S. than it does your own country. Like, if you're born in Venezuela, you grew up in Venezuela, you're not representing Venezuela in this game. You're representing the world. You can't you can't just bunch everyone into this category called well, the world that's not from the U.S. I feel like that would just wouldn't very that wouldn't play very well. It wouldn't involve as much passion because a lot of these players in the World Baseball Classic played for their country and not for to to beat the U.S. You know. I I agree with that, but I don't feel like you're representing your team, which is kind of what it is, the All-Star game. Maybe if they did like a draft like the NHL where there's like four teams, they play like a three-inning game, something like that. 
Uh, I'm not. There's just no reason to tune in. This is an unrelated question, but do you think? Um, I mean, this is kind of a double-edged sword here, but we should go back to just letting the players wear their team jerseys. I know having these all-star jerseys, these special one-time all-star jerseys, is good for jersey sales because you'll obviously sell these one-time jerseys, but they're horrible. And the fans, I regardless of whether you guys think it's it's good or not, it was a pretty negative reaction to the jerseys. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading about it. It's it's generally negative. And I mean, going back to these these team jerseys, you know, representing your own team would take away from sales. It, it's it's a lot easier to recognize players when they're not all in this weird looking jersey. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I think everyone's on board of the uh, they should wear their team jerseys. I miss. I, I mean, I agree. I think they should wear the team jerseys, but I wouldn't say these jerseys were bad. I would say the uniforms are bad. I didn't really like. I didn't really like the uniforms. I didn't think like the dark blue with the black pants really worked for the national league. And uh, I mean, I like the uniforms. Like I would, I would go get one if it was, wasn't, you know, $200, but. I, I agree. I think, I think it was also this weekend besides the draft, which actually had the most viewership of any draft in a while. Um, besides the draft, this was like the first flop of the week of the MLB season. Like this was the first like thing that happened that wasn't good for baseball. Like the I World Baseball Classic was good. Owner or viewership is up. The ticket, the average ticket age is lower. If you, you guys saw that, I think it's down to like forty three. Means it's getting younger. I think the pitch clock has a lot to do with that. Another unrelated thing: they want to get rid of the pitch clock in the postseason. Here's this thing that's growing your viewership, and you want to get rid of it in the most watched part of the season. Yeah, they want to. Did they want to get rid of it? I thought I saw a thing and they just they wanted almost, to like yeah. extend it slightly. There's like, just add a little it's more. It's not time. how the game has been played this whole year. Don't change how the game has been you, played. I think if you give them like five extra seconds, like that would be fine. Or like maybe like in between, like at bats or something, give them a little extra time to catch their breath. But so I just I just want to go through these starters for the for the teams in the All Star game. You go through these this list of players, and I'm trying to imagine through the lens of a fan that hasn't been consistently watching baseball every day this season. Stevs, you just came out of prison, and this is what you're seeing. Stevs, all right, I got it. The only I'm going to go through the positions: Minimum. catcher Sean Murphy, Jonah Heim. I mean, Sean Murphy has been underrated. You know Sean Murphy now, you and now probably no, you, know Jonah Heim. Sean Murphy if is you, now. If, if yeah. Stevs, I mean, I wouldn't. I would you're in Sean jail. Murphy. Go back to jail. Okay, I, on. Stevs. Okay. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna know Jonah Heim. He's just onto the scene. Sean yes. Murphy just escaped the prison of Oakland, and now he's just starting to get known. First base, you're not knowing Yandy Diaz. We knew about Yandy, but no one else really knew about him upcoming to the season. Freddie, we all know. Luis Arias and Marcus Simeon. I feel like a lot of people, like the casual fans, would probably consider like uh, a Jose Altuve, you know, as as a starting first for the second base position. Like, there's a lot of a lot of players that you wouldn't have expected on this team. Josh Chung, uh, Orlando Arcia. Um, I mean, J.D. Martinez having a bounce-back season in an opposite league is something I wouldn't have expected this season either. Mm. Um, not to mention Aaron Judge and Mike Trout did not start. No, that's um, not because they weren't good. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, a lot of unknown names, and I'm talking more than like 75% of the team is players that – the casual fan might not really know that well. 
Mm, that's true. I, I think it's a representation of the fact that it is the best players of that season. And we are learning to evaluate people just beyond their their name and what they actually do. So which is good. Uh, it's imperfect. The All-Star game is imperfect, but they, I don't know what the tweaks they need to make are. It yeah, it's it's a, it's you can't really win here because I mean, this is a season with a lot of new breakouts in in not just players but in teams, you know, teams randomly coming onto the scene as as breakouts and that's going to lead to a lot of new faces. You know, we're used to seeing familiar faces year after year, but this season's been a little different in the sense that we've gotten a lot of new things, a lot of new players, a lot of breakout teams. So what are you, what are you looking at me like that for? You, uh, you just started rambling. <laughs> I am rambling. But this the point is, there's just so much new this season, and it's just overlapping the old, and I feel like that's, you know, I mean, unexpected. So, so, like, that's the thing, right? I feel like there's slowly beginning, like, a turnover of kind of like a new age type of player, which mm. is good for baseball, right? But there's also bad for baseball because – there's a lot of names that a lot of play people, a lot of ca- casual fans really won't know. Like we were not going to know the Yandy Diaz's, the Brent Brookers, the people like that, right? Yeah, that's true. Like it's it's a fine line between promoting the best players and promoting the players that people know. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we did have a couple thoughts on the draft. Obviously, this is a pretty big draft year with Paul Skeens going first overall. Uh, Stavs is happy he got Dylan Cruz with the second overall pick. But the further down the draft, or Stavs, give you your moment of sunshine. How do you feel? Uh, I'm extremely excited. I mean, I've been very vocal. I want I wanted the Nats to get Dylan Cruz. And he's, he looks like a stand-up guy. He plays like an all-star. Like, I mean, he's pretty much the whole package. He's exactly what you want. And he wants to play in Washington. Was, at least all reports seem like he wants to play in Washington, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what you want at the end of the day. His agent is Scott Boris. We don't okay. We have like <laughs> Enjoy the time. Five to seven last. seasons. Five to yeah. seven seasons before he's a Philly, okay? Yeah. Um, that's that's what one of our friends said to me when he gets tra- when he got drafted. Um then the the further down the draft it got, the more interesting it got in my eyes, because there were some names who went the top five were supposed to be the top five. The athletics took an on-brand pick at number six. Um, Rhett Louder of Wake Forest went seven. Royals went very underslot at number eight with a catcher named Blake Mitchell. Uh, a lot of upside, in all honesty, but I don't know if the Royals are the type of organization that can tap into that. I, I saw a lot of these teams that are kind of in that poverty category of bad picking high school guys like Max Clark going over Wyatt Langford. Blake Mitchell going over Kyle Teal. There's a lot of younger guys going off the board to these teams that probably aren't going to be competing for the next five years. So is that strategic for them? Is that a new type of thing to go after high school guys to promote your timeline or to go for the best player? Because it seems like in this draft, the best player was passed up on a couple of times to get younger guys. I think it was who fit the organization the best. You talk about, the Tigers skipping on Max Clark, you could make an argument for any of the top five to go one in a different draft. And Max Clark is a high school kid who has a very good defensive tool. He, he can run, obviously he's young. So there's still more power to grow into. And 
he I think he's a good fit because it'll take him two two to four years to develop, right? And if you draw this Tigers timeline, that's right in there. That is right in that timeline where a guy like Wyatt Langford, a guy like Dylan Cruz, who if Dylan Cruz made it to the Tigers, they're taking Dylan Cruz. And I think Clark just fits their timeline well. It'd be really awkward to have Langford up next year, 2025, when the Tigers really aren't doing much. And I think they saw the upside of what he could be. It is a bit more risky than a college bat, but there is a lot more. I'd say he is a lot more upside too. So, I mean, I mean, I think Brad hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think, I mean, we've already talked about this, Tom, but I think for the Tigers, for the Athletics, for the Royals, or not, yeah, the Royals, like, they are they are a couple years out, right? They still have time to develop these players and get them to the position that they want to be, right? And I think that that's the move that the organization feels is best, right? At the end of the day, we don't get paid to sit into those rooms and do these those types of things, so we don't know what those teams are thinking, right? So they're making the best decision that they can make with all the information that they have, mm-hmm. whether it be good or, or good or bad. Did you see I, a photo of the Rockies front office I sent you guys? Yeah, that was yeah, good. It was like yeah. two people. Yeah. Chase, man. Chase Dollander going to the Rockies. That's um not a good place to pitch, but I mean, maybe, maybe they'll turn center. around. Yeah. Um, um, something you'd brought up was the Marlins going for prep pitching. I I would like to say this, and I'm gonna do the hot take thing. I think Noble Meyer will turn out to be one. I I think the first or second. I just I really think Paul Skeens is like pretty safe pick, but I think he'll be the second best pitcher in this entire draft. I really like. He's got the frame. He, well, he's like is he 18 throw 98 already? I yeah. Mean, and he's now in the the third best pitching you know farm in all of baseball. Um, Noble Meyer is is built for the Marlins and. He fell to him, and I think that it was a great pick, and I think it's going to reflect. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna age like fine wine. It's gonna look good, and I think give him four years, and he will be dominating batter. Yeah. Uh, you also said you had thoughts about them going for pitchers, though. I do, I do. I really like Noel Meyer, but I think their offense is still one of the worst in baseball. And when you still had guys on the board like Tommy Troy, Matt Shaw, Kyle Teal, I mean, your catcher is. Who right? Who's the catcher? Uh, Jacob Stallings. Jacob Stallings. Yeah. So I mean, I would have, I would have probably taken one of those guys, um, over Noel Meyer, but I don't think they're going to go wrong with Noel Meyer. I see a lot of people liking the pick, and I mean, in this system, I don't think a pitcher can go wrong, especially a guy with a frame like that. Um, I will say, like I did agree that I think them and the Cardinal, oh, them and the Cardinal should have swapped, like the Marlins go infielders outfielders cardinals go for pitching at all costs but i think it might be the marlins might not know how to develop bats very well and they're leaning into their strength like hey if we stock up with thomas white and we stock up with noble meyer and we develop them well we have major league arms right now that in three or four years will probably be a year and a half away from free agency that we could trade and now we've supplemented our roster with noble meyer and thomas white and if we can't develop the talent from within, we can trade our plethora of pitching that we've developed very well to go get this outfield infield talent. Yeah, I mean, I think Thomas White's one of my favorite lefties in this draft um, when it comes to pitching. Is he your favorite lefty? No, it's Joe Whitman. 
You like Joe? Yes. Nah. No, but um, nah. I, I just I don't know. I I I like what the Marlins are doing. I don't know if they have the balls to go out during the free agency and buy out a bat. But the Jorge Soler addition and the Luis Arias trade appears to be aging well for them. So I don't see why they don't continue doing something like that. Why yeah. develop when you can just buy out bats and then develop pitching? I mean, that's fair. I mean, if you if you have a strength, lean into it. It's a crazy philosophy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Stevs, did you have any resounding draft thoughts or any guys that you really stood out to you? I mean, I, I'm excited Arjun Amala went to, to the Blue Jays. I think that that's a really good move um, for them, and hopefully he can be up soon. Tom, what are you thinking? I just wanted to say I think we've all, as as baseball, the, the 29 other teams have made a grave mistake letting Hurst and Waldrop fall to the Braves. I think we've all that's, that's made, a, made, a, made a pretty bad mistake in that one. I think we're all going to be complaining within two to three years. Um, it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, the Braves are now developing a pretty, pretty fire starting rotation, and Hurst and Waldrop has – the stuff I didn't know all of this stuff plus grades were like above 130, but they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I if he puts it together with the Braves, it's it's scary. Um, you know, would have liked him on the Giants, but you know, it's over, Stevs. What do you got to say as um, a division rival? Well, so you said you said that uh, Noble Meyer is probably like you'll think after Skeens he'll be the best pitcher. I I can agree with you. I think he'll be top five, but. I think number two is is going to be Hurston Waldrop, especially just with the way the Braves can develop pitching. I think I think it's I think it's wraps pretty much after Paul Skeens. And the Braves also managed to get Drew Hackenberg out of Virginia Tech and Cade Cooler out of Campbell in the first two rounds. Nope. Um, nope. Both guys with a lot of development and already high upside. Braves drafted well, shocking. Aiden Miller to the Phillies is a really solid pick. He was a prep guy who in twenty twenty two was arguably around the board the best bat in all the circuits uh then he just missed most of this year with injury and if he's back to what he was that's a fantastic pick and it's a steal at 27 uh the comp round nothing really big for me i think ty floyd is fun he's the guy who on lsu who struck out 17 um that'll be that might be fun maybe confidence something like that kevin mcgonagall going to the tigers infield prospect they need infield depth and they they went and drafted it so high school kids so they have time to develop him the rockies went out and addressed their need for pitching give them credit where credit's due doesn't mean they're going to develop it but they addressed the need they tried um, one more guy I wanted to mention that I really didn't know going into the draft, and I want to know your thoughts, Brad, is uh, Noah Nolan. Sorry, Nolan Shanuel. Oh, the kid out of what is he, Florida Atlantic? Florida Atlantic, yeah. And going so high above guys that I liked a lot more than him. Um, do you do you think it was the right move for the 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 Angels? Seeing as his Angels. Um, sorry, I I was trying to remember what team he went to. Yeah, and I think that. He he had a really good season for Florida Atlantic, but the thing is, it doesn't play the best competition out of, you know, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, anything like that. Like, I think there is some something there to be a little bit concerned about. I don't know about the take at 11. There is a lot of upside, especially the fact that he's a first baseman. I feel like that there was better pitching on the table. But 
you know what the the angels took who in their mind was the best player available at the time and so i can i can die on that hill i mean i'm looking at his scouting he's got a 60 hit 60 hit 50 power 45 run 50 arm 50 field 50 overall i mean it's not bad it's not bad it's just you need to see how that translates yeah, and I guess I guess I guess a rank twenty six to an eleven pick's not the best idea. Yeah, um, Orioles got Enrique Bradfield, and I was not very high on Enrique Bradfield as a draft pick because I don't think there is much more than what he is right now. And the Orioles, the Rays. I'm trying to think who falls in that boat. They are teams that just draft guys with ridiculous tools and they try and develop with those tools. And that's kind of what Bradfield did. He's a great speed tool, fantastic glove, feel for contact. And they could probably work with that because worst thing is worse, right? He's Cedric Mullins. I mean, yeah, he's probably, I don't know if he's a 30-30 threat guy, but he's going to be a guy that steals you 35 bags and is a gold glove threat. He appears to have a good glove. I'm more so talking about what Mullins has been these past two years, this year and last year, not his 30-30-2021 season. Like, if I remember correctly, he's kind of like a 7-35 OPS guy who steals some bases, play very good defense. And there's value in that, especially for Camden Yards, which has a very big outfield now. Even if they want to stick him in left field, because they've got that basically a center field and left field now. I, well, so I do want to ask Brad, what did you think of the Dodgers draft? Because I mean, like obviously the the twentieth round pick probably wasn't the best idea, but it's the twentieth <laughs> round. Who cares? Um, I like the first round pick. He's a guy with a lot of power upside. He was originally going to go in the second round. But a lot of the guys they were going to take fell off the board. I know Thomas White was a big name tied to them, which I think would have been a great pick, but he happened to go right before. Um, I think him going, Kendall George is fine. I'm not the happiest with this draft in all honesty. I'm not the biggest fan of Jake Galoff out of Virginia. He's got, if you go and look up a video of his swing real quick, quick, there's just a lot of moving parts going on. And I feel like that can be pretty exploited once you start seeing higher velocity. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. They've got Brady Smith out of Tennessee, who's a prep arm with a lot of, with a lot of potential. And I think he could be something in a couple of years. It's just, I feel like they didn't, they didn't address something, but it's the Dodgers. There'll be something, right? Nah. Uh, so we did start talking about outfield defense and we're, you know, we go look at odds above average to see how they're performing. But the other day on baseball savant, they released a new out, a new defensive stat known as fielding run value. And what this does is it basically, as opposed to odds above average, which is solely measuring range, it incorporates how fielders contribute to the run scoring environment. So you know how pitches, they have a positive or negative run value, and they did change pitches where all good things are positive, all bad things are negative, because it had to be in line with the fielding run value. So if you have a very high positive value, that means you're doing good. You are helping your team in the run department. If you have very negative, it's bad. And what this also does is it puts catchers, outfielders, infielders, all on the same level. So 
And out above average is it's a range measurement. There you can see on the baseball summit website, there's a conversion of throwing run out to run. Uh, block is 0.25 runs. Uh, strike saved is 0.125. And a stolen base prevented is 0.65 runs. I think this is a very good stat. I'm just looking at the top of this of this leaderboard, and there are three out of four of the top four uh, are catchers. Do you think that says more about how the catcher's position is important to limiting runs or more so that this is a, a, a catcher-leaning uh, statistic? I think it has to do with the fact that catchers have more opportunities, and so they provide more defensive value. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's mainly – I think it's mainly – middle infield. I mean, you're not going to see a first baseman on here for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, like it's middle infielders and outfielders with good range. Like yeah. Ronald Acuna is known as a very bad range outfielder. We always talk about how his outs of average were very negative and he was low. But if you look at this, he's got zero. He has zero fielding runs because he has four with his arm and negative four in terms of his range. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm gonna take a minute to talk about how there's no there's no Dodgers like anywhere on this list. Uh, Jason Hayward is the highest on your team. I'm sorry, who's in first? At six, at sixty six. Who's in first? Defense wins championships, baby. It will happen. <laughs> when was the last time you won? <laughs> uh, Twenty. Yeah, it's been a minute. Nope, nope. Let's go down to the bottom of the. Oh my gosh, Stebs, would you like? To talk about <laughs> the Nats are being represented at the top of the list but it's actually the bottom. We flipped the fielding run value and K-Bear Ruiz, despite the rest of the league around negative nine for the lowest values, he is at negative 20. He's he is here. worse than Kyle Schwarber. How does this happen, Stev? Is he, is he more, is he going to be a catcher for a long time or will he just uh, become a first baseman? Uh, maybe moving to DH might be the best idea. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, I probably it's won't just be that weird. Much I don't, that's not cool. Um, I thought his throwing grade so was right, a little bit better. So, so you talked about is this this benefit uh catchers more, Tom? You, you asked that question earlier. Yeah, and I think it benefits them, but it also like is a negative against them as well because there's more to 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 negate against, right? Yeah. So, like, if they don't, if they do like a bunch of little things bad, but like one thing really, really good those little things are going to stack up and pretty much tank. But all of yeah. his are bad. What? Yeah. All of Kiebert's okay, are no, bad. Not, I, I'm not talking about Kiebert. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like talking about just in general. God, um, he I signed was... through 2032. And he I, has to. I just, the Nats need to get a new fielding coach. They need a new hitting coach. They need a new pitching yes, coach. Yes, Tom, we've, we've, manager, we don't need to talk about the Nationals. We need, we need team. everything top to bottom. Yeah. We've talked about this countless times. We don't need to ramble about it anymore. But you guys were talking about how you think this metric is going to kind of take away the eye test, like take away the necessity for the eye test. I just enjoy I mean, the I disagree with that, but that's because I am – I always like the eye test. But I do see your point, right? Like this pretty much covers everything you would need to care about as a as a coach when you're looking at things. The stats are all right in front of you. But yeah. some things you can't – you can't show in stats, right? You can't show the hustle that the player is giving. You can't show this. You can't show that, right? So I don't fully agree with that, but I do see your point. I think the thing is, 
the thing that StatCast data information like this provides is it provides things that you can't see in the box score. And those are like the intangibles. Those are the eye test. And it's right here though. We finally have it in numerical terms. I think the eye test has some value. Like, yeah, you can see hustle. You can see confidence, things like that. But when you think, oh yeah, I think that guy took really good routes today. He's a very good outfielder, big part of our franchise for the future. And then you go look here and he's got negative four range. Then I, I think, definitely, sorry. yeah, nah, uh, I'm just looking through here. I'm just looking, I'm enjoying the, the smooth gradients. Uh, I'm going team by team to see who, which team is the best defensive team in baseball. Do you, do you, it's not, not any of our teams, but, um, surprised you can't nationals. group by team. Huh? Surprised you can't group by team. If you can, you can group by team. You can. Yeah. You can go yeah. by team, team and year. Oh, you can go by year too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Kevin Kiermeyer. What's the Kevin greatest? Doing? He's the best ever. Joe, what? Kevin oh, Kiermeyer no, is at eighty-nine. Not, no, not, Ray, not you want to give you want to give that uh, little you want to give that little take right now? You want to do it? I said that do Kevin Kiermeyer, as a result of Statcast, will be on the Hall of Fame ballot for a couple of years. I never said he's going to get in. He will be booted so fast. I'm telling you, he will literally fall off the board immediately. That's what are your thoughts? Um, no, the best Washington national by the stat defensively is 2019 Victor Robles. Makes sense. Thank you, Status. Okay, Tom, without looking, without without looking, what's Kevin Kiermeyer's career war? I don't know, like 23, 34. Okay, Brad, a career below average hitter with, I'm gonna go with, I'm. He's like 98, right? It's pretty, yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty bad. Um, With a career like I'm, – I'm doing it. I'm pulling it up. I'm not, I'm not blind doing this. Hold on. I, I, it's it's like Kevin – That was what's the face Brad, for. You're looking into his eyes too much, Brad. You got to stop looking into Kevin's eyes. Like yeah. You're getting, you're getting like possessed by him. And I, Tom was, was, was the Giants. Giants is Posey, right? 2016 Buster Posey, 32. And then it's 2016, Yasmani Grandal with 26. Yeah. Um, I like so, the stat, Brad. It's a good stat. Yes. Kevin, career 249 batter, has only played 11 years in the game. Do, are you thinking, like, if he retires now, he'll be a – No, no, no. I'm like, saying, like, five more years of playing defense how he's been playing. Yeah, Buster. Posey's I think he's comparable. Player. I think he's comparable to Andrelton Simmons. I really do. I I think that is a disrespect to Kevin Kiermeyer. No, Andrelton you... Simmons is a god. Was a god awful hitter. What? Kevin Kiermeyer is a serviceable hitter. Okay, if you're going to use sabermetrics to get Kevin on the ballot for a while, then you can you just as easily use sabermetrics to kick him off because his sabermetrics are always in the tenth or eleventh percentile worth hitting. So what do you? 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 Just what are you him to Angelton Simmons? What? Steph, did you see Angelton Simmons' defense? I, I I understand that, but Kevin Kiermaier is a way bigger name than Angelton Simmons is. And I, I think I, I agree with Brad. I think he'll be on. Yes, I think he'll be on there for like two or three years, but he's not going to get booted off after the first year. I don't think so. Steph's um shout out foolish baseball. Go ahead and take a look at his video. Um, Brad, have you seen it? No. Watch it. It's it's um. It's on the Foolish channel. It's talking about why Angelton Simmons should be considered as a Hall of Famer. 
and it's talking about his defense. It's the same argument you're making for Kevin. And if you just watch that video and I don't tell think me Brad's saying he should be a Hall of Famer. I think no, I'm saying like on the ballot, on the ballot. He's making the same argument as Brad pretty much. But I, I'm not saying he should be in it. I'm also saying he needs a couple more years. But I'm saying that Kevin Kiermeyer being at the top of every fielding stat since 2016 is, you know, that's a pretty good indicator of who's the best defenders of that time. I mean, can we can we go back to the let's go back to the nineties? Who was the who was the who was the Kevin Kiermaier of the nineties? Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones also hit like five hundred home runs. There's a difference. Like there, there's with every guy that gets considered or because Andrew Jones isn't even a Hall of Famer and he hit that many home runs. And yes, but that was for that time. You have to. We can't evaluate players now and compare them to old players because they won't be able to put up the same numbers. 3,000 hits is rarely going to happen anymore. I know, but dude, this guy doesn't even have a hundred home runs. He like, and don't, don't interrupt, please try and find me a player that is comparable to Kevin Kiermeyer who wasn't extremely good at something else. Kevin is not that fast. I don't think, let me double check that. He's fast. Kevin. No. Um, He's got great range in the outfield, but the, he's he's a one-trick pony. He's an outfielder with a really good glove. Okay, what is Every, what was Ozzy Smith? He became a very good hitter midway through his career. You're forgetting. Because at the beginning of Ozzy Smith's career, it looked a lot like the way this career is going now. But midway through, he started hitting a lot better. He started getting he, – he, okay, Brad, he got MVP votes like seven more times than – I mean, is that is that comparable? Are you allowed to say that? Sure. When they couldn't quantify anything. The difference is also the fact that he has uh, 13 gold gloves to three. And are you, are you going to say oh. that's because he's underrated? It's also gold gloves mean nothing. When it, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, what? How long were you expecting Kiermaier to play? Like everything, like five. like if if, if he Sorry. retires after this season, if he plays five more years of this level of defense, does he win any more Gold Gloves? I don't look sure. Vladimir Guerrero won the Gold Glove last year. That no, Brad. I know you're not. You're not a voter, though, Brad. You got to realize that the voters care about the stuff that might be stupid. Vladimir and Guerrero Jr. had negative three run value last year, and won the Gold Glove. Brad. Brad. Right, no, 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 that's not my point. That's not my point. That's not my point. We understand that, no. but it doesn't matter. To voters, the gold gloves are important. The silver sluggers are important. Oh, the right. I would also like to mention Ozzy Smith had are important. Ozzy Smith had 580 stolen bases, uh, and also hit a lot better than Kevin. No, he didn't. I know, look at, okay, it's the same. It's the same. But he stole bases. He was uh, he was a two. I'm gonna 20. say I could see him being yeah. on the ballot for about two seasons, yeah. and then he'll drop off of it. Okay. Did we see who got who fell right. off the ballot this year in the Hall of Fame voting? Kevin will get eaten alive. Kevin will literally get obliterated. Like a million good guys. We talked about this during the offseason. Name him. Can we? Do I have time to do it here? You guys keep talking. You can't can't think of Kevin Kiermeyer. No, no. Recent Hall. Kevin Kiermeyer is better. Um. Anyways, the best by fielding run value. Twenty sixteen Buster Posey is the the best. Tom. I mean, I'll Uh, say say as long as I live, dude. If Buster Posey didn't get hit on that one play, he would be the greatest catcher of all time. I, I, I stand by that. Uh, 2018 Nick Ahmed and then 2017 Byron Buxton. That's not surprising. 
Anyways, the one other thing that we wanted to do this episode was do a rather State of the Union address where we talk about anything and all things first half baseball. Where do you guys want to start? I'll give you the open floor. This is a completely random one, but who do you think leads the entire league in pit, in innings pitched this year? Who do you think and what do you think that number comes out to? Do you think someone reaches 220 innings like San, 228 like Sandy or do you think we're more regressing towards like a 200 innings oh, pitched max? Probably like a 210 guy. I think it's my guy Logan Webb though. He's, probably. He's, on, he's on pace. He's throwing a lot of innings. Um, he's done 126 and 19 yeah, starts. Yeah. He's an and Nola will do it because Nolan always hits 200 innings and 200 strikeouts. Aaron Nola. Yeah. Um, Nathan Eovaldi might. Shane Bieber got an MRI on his elbow and is going to miss a start. Man, there's a ton of people getting MRIs on their elbow right now. Yeah. Garrett Cole will probably get up there. Garrett always does, though. That's annoying. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the best pitching contract outside of Scherzer. His, it's just, like it's the... valuable. He just, he, he's not, he's not like, He's not the best at any time, but he's been really good for, you know, and he's yeah. eating innings. He's a 200 inning guy. Yeah. If you can get 200 innings a season of, you know, 3 8 ERA. He's been a three. You know, no, but like I'm arguing, like, what's, yeah, the, yeah. what's the, what's like the lowest, like, what's the worst season you can have of a guy that throws you 200 innings a year for 10 years? What, what, what would you like? What Sandy's like doing right now? I think Sandy is top 20 in war just because he eats so many innings. I'm telling you, man, inning eaters are more valuable than you would think. I, I've realized that now I've come to realize that, you know, obviously Jordan Lyle is not this season, but in the past has been very valuable because he just eats innings. I mean, he, he gives you, you know, six and two thirds, seven innings, three runs, four runs. And that's more valuable than a guy that goes five innings, zero runs. In this like day. Michaelis and Sandy are both top 30 guys in war. Just because they have a ton of innings. They're not great innings, but they're innings. Yeah. All right. So teams-wise, standings-wise, what division do we want to start with? Well, let's go to the uh let's go to the NL East actually. Cause I feel like I feel like this will actually be a little interesting. <laughs> just, just just based on uh who finished second. Actually, it's not gonna be that close, but yeah. I think it might Philly's be closer than you think. I, I, Philly's I think Philly's coming. The Phillies are approaching. The Mets are, you know, defrosting. Um, the Nats are uh, doing the thing. Don't talk about it. Don't worry about they're, it. They're just on the bottom. We're working. Um, are you? We're working. Do you think there's a world Brad. where where something crazy happens and the Braves fall out of first place somehow? No, no. I, I think I think they lock up the division by August 1st. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear. Yeah. But do you think the Marlins can hold on to this position that they have right now? I think that they could play the same brand of baseball they've been playing the first half. Uh, the Phillies are getting hot because they the Phillies are six games above 500, and that's without Harper being good, without Trey Turner being good, no Reese Hoskins. Nola and Wheeler have been serviceable, but their ERA doesn't reflect that. They're due for positive regression, but the Phillies' defense behind them is not good. Nick Castellanos has had a good breakout. I think the Phillies are more likely to overtake the Marlins than the Marlins are to drop below the Phillies, if that makes sense. It's not going to be a casualty of the Marlins being bad. It'll be a casualty of the Phillies being very good. 
a lot of talk about the Phillies and the Marlins, but do you think it's possible that the Mets heat up in this month? I I I think it's possible. I really do. Um, and I think that this Not- is a very aggressive front office. So I think anything's possible with this team. It is, I but I don't think I don't think they're they're gonna heat up enough to actually be competitive in the division or in any sort of playoff push. But I I yeah, they could heat up and have a a ten game win streak or something like that, but it's not it's not gonna be any consolation prize to them winning the division or coming into the playoffs. I think it's also this week or these next two weeks for the Mets and the Padres are huge. Right. If they both play 500 ball, the Padres are three games below 500. The Mets are six games below 500 and they're sellers at the deadline. Like Steve Cohen has flat out said, I will sell at this deadline if I have to. The Cardinals have already announced they're going to sell. So I think, no, I don't think the Mets have a run in them with the team to for this year because they have guys who could get traded that won't be that consequential the next year. Cause I don't think Max Scherzer is that much of an impact player anymore. I think he's a number two or number three. I think they're be willing to deal Starling Marte, Mark Canna, like that first off season of acquisitions. Um, what do you, what do you think that they could get for a Starling Marte or a Max Scherzer or Mark Canna? The thing is Cohen said that he'd be willing to eat the money. And if we're just looking at like guys who have been good for the first half in the Mets, right? Like Franco Alvarez has shown a lot of upside. There's still a lot of things to be worked upon. Brett Beatty's really struggled. Mark Fientos hasn't been much. Pete Alonso is very good. They should work towards extending him if they're going to trade other guys away. Um, Verlander has been very disappointing. So I think if they're going to go out, for players, it's got to be starting pitching or star prospects because Cohen said he'll eat money. I mean, this isn't even the the, mo- the most excited I am to talk about a team. I think the Padres are more interesting. This this trade deadline, I think there's a guy from the Nationals that could be moved again um, as a possibility. Um, but I mean that that honestly wraps up the East for me. If there's anything else you want to talk about before we move on to the next division. I mean, yeah, yeah, anything that's it. We don't care about the Honestly, uh, this wasn't interesting a month ago, but now it's interesting. I had the Brewers Reds game on tonight because the Reds are hot. The Brewers are playing better than they were. And there's a game apart in the NL Central. Goodbye to the three teams, by the way. St. Louis, yeah, you didn't like we we had like our death before the season. And St. Louis didn't even make it to the start line. And that's not something we expected this year. Yeah, it's over. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people saying no one's going to get shipped, but I see that as humanly impossible. I, that'd be I the most idiotic Goldie move. Getting shipped, but... Goldie should be moved, but uh, Arenado, they have him on like a five-year deal now or five more seasons. Yeah. So I see think... absolutely no reason. Do you make like a slot walker at first? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's where that's I think that's his natural position. Yeah, I mean his defense is their baseball. It's one of the two, but he's not an outfielder, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um I their pitching's an issue. That's clearly what they're gonna go out and address. Like their pitching's been really bad this year. Flaherty hasn't been good. No Wayno, no Michael is just bad. They haven't figured it out. They don't know how to develop pitching. And 
that's going to be really their crux of the off season. That's where the season's identified that you need starting pitching to compete and how yeah. they go. Like if they yeah. go and address that, sure. Yeah. The Matthew Libertor trade for uh, Randy is not looking too good. Uh, Adolis Garcia could be used on this team, you know, could be, but I don't think their offense is all that bad in all honesty. I think it's just the pitching is just that bad that they can't compete. This is a, a proud franchise too. This isn't like a, a small market team that should be struggling. I, this is kind of out of the, out of the ordinary for a team like the Cardinals. So I, I think come the end of the season, there should be some firings uh, of a lot of people on the staff. I, I see it as possible. I think I, I mean, you're a franchise like the Cardinals, you have a rich history. I don't see why everyone's got their head on the chopping block after the season. So goes back to Brad's question from the beginning of the year. Does Yachty get the call as their manager? Not this year. No. I think they let Ollie ride out the storm this year, sure. but they try I think they're gonna reach well, like, like in the off season. In the yeah, off yeah. season, do they do they do they just move on from Ollie and do they bring in Yachty or does he does Ollie make it to next season? I don't Ollie think will not, Ollie will not survive. I don't think yeah. many, I don't think many of the people on the staff will survive to next season other than the players. And even then, you never know. Because that was a that was a question you had at the beginning of the year, and I was yeah. like, I could see him, like making it through this season, and maybe sometime next season. I think was my. But uh, I think when we asked that question, we were like a month, month and a half in, and we all of us yeah. thought the Cardinals would write the ship. Like when that happened, no one saw the Cardinals being a four twenty two winning percentage team, ninety games in. Yeah, and. That, that's what they are at this point. They're 11 and a half games out, but that's just games out. They're not including wins and loss difference, which is 12 wins behind and 11 wins ahead of the Reds. So like it's more than just 11 and a half. The yeah, Pirates, I mean, you were fun. You were. You were fun. I'm done so, playing with you now. <laughs> um I was I was talking to I was talking to uh one of my one of my coworkers um and he, we were talking about the pirates and whether or not they will like make a comeback and he was like they're gonna make a comeback and then Paul Ske- Paul Skeens is gonna get called up and he's gonna be the push into the playoffs that they need and I was like no that's that's there's no that's not gonna happen like I could see Skeens maybe getting called up but. No, it makes no sense. Delusional Pirates fan. Yeah, smart idea. He's not even a Pirates fan. He's a Orioles fan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he watches baseball. Um, I, I, I am surprised of the two teams that came out of this because we talked about all five of these teams competing for a playoff spot just because the Central's so bad. But it appears the balance has been shifted, and it's it's really just the Reds and the Brewers. Do you think the Cubs have any chance of? Returning to the, they're gonna sell the deadline and it's it's wraps. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Cubs being sellers at the deadline, it's pretty much locked in at this point. Like Strowman get you value, Bellinger shockingly gets you value. Like those are two pretty big names that you could sell right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a couple. Hey. Bellinger and Yelich both in the same division now, both having good returning seasons. Um, One of them looks good under the hood. Yes. Um, do you have any last thoughts on the NL Central though? I'm still I'm I'm picking the Brewers to win. Okay, I think, hold on, I think, hold on. I think they cool off. Ooh. What? Reds or Brewers? That that's what I, I, was just, I just said. Reds or Brewers? Brewers. Okay. Brewers. 
Bruce. Bruce. Stevs, who are you? I don't know, Brad, which is why I want you to make the decision. It just can't last. It can't last forever, can it? But it can. No, it can't. It's not. I, it won't happen. I'm gonna go. No. I'm gonna go with Brewers. I'm gonna go with Brewers. Yeah. But that's only because I don't think the Reds pitching. Brad's will... gonna say something. He's gonna. I heard this crazy <laughs> idea today. No. Crazy. Oh God. That the Reds <laughs> trade for Shohei. What? That? Okay. But he'd be the rental. It's a rental. They're not actually buying him for seven years. They don't have to pay him six hundred million. Where it's feasible, but I don't think they're gonna do that. I think that they might go get a White Sox starting pitcher who's controllable for a couple of years, something like that. Where I think the starting pitching won't be as big of a woe as it currently is. It's just that I think the Brewers offense is really poo. And the Reds offense is legit. It's just who's gonna be able to pitch more. And I think the Brewers can pitch more, but the Reds will outslog up. So Devin Williams versus Alexis Diaz. I'm still taking Alexis Diaz, but uh, I was, I would agree with you in that. Oh, really? Yeah. It was Camilo Duvall. Yeah. Camilo Duvall, baby. Camilo Duvall. All of them have had poo months now. They all are just getting hit except for David. I just don't know. I don't know about the Reds. It can't, it just can't last forever. I don't see it lasting. I'm going to pick Brewers. I have more question marks about the Reds than I do the Brewers, but I think the Reds have a higher ceiling and I'll gamble on that higher ceiling. I like Not- gambling. I'm supplying the addiction. I'm, I switched up. I'm going to the Reds. <laughs> Stabs. Okay. Uh, okay. Fr- friends that uh, w- I won't get off until I win. Discover gambling. I'm saying. I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> so, I've also NLE's prediction is Braves. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, we all we all had to go for our wild card teams after this. Um. NL West. It started out as a Diamondbacks kind of just running away with the division for a little while. Dodgers were middling. They had a really bad May. Uh, Giants came back really strong. And throughout the month of May, early June, kind of fizzled off at the end of June slash early July. And it's turned into a three-team race. The Padres have been super disappointing. The Rockies, you didn't make the start line. Um, you, tra- you you had three 65-year-olds in your draft room. Enough said. Uh Padres. Soto is going to the Yankees. Um, I I'm sorry, Stevs. I I really don't want to see. No, he's not going to go. I don't want to see. I don't want to see it as much as you don't want to see it. I have a jersey in my room. The Stevs jersey. I mean, you don't wear it. You do not wear it because I have a Brandon Crawford jersey. It's cool. You go to Nats games and you wear the Brandon Crawford jersey to a Nats. Find other Giants fans. You go to a Nats Padres game. That's perfect. And you wear you wear Crawford jersey. This this fire sale, Brad. Who do you think is on the table here? I really think it's I think it's just Soto. I don't think there's many other guys you want to get rid of. I think there's two big names that you're forgetting. Who? Blake Snell and Josh Hader, both free agents after the season. I think Hader would be a good move. The Padres just love shoving out money, and I don't think I I don't see it as impossible that they just. Go out and try and re-sign everyone. I mean, they offered Trey Turner four hundred million, and then the next week they offered Aaron Judge like five hundred million. Where are they getting this money? I don't know. I don't. I don't know where they're getting it from. But they're gonna re-sign these guys. Not all of them. You also, I, I'm looking at the sheet. You also had Luis Garcia as well. I, <laughs> I don't see anyone moving but Soto because Soto is the only one that they can't afford. To me, do you think they can afford I Soto? Just, 
I mean, they spent. They were gonna spend five hundred million on freaking Trey Turner. You think they're but they not gonna do that? They spent four hundred million on Xander instead, so they only have a hundred yeah. million to spend. And Soto's Soto's expensive. He doesn't care. Do you think? Do you think the he owner care? Cares? He doesn't care. He doesn't no. care. He's getting paid. Steph, he left the Nats. Well, he no, got, no, 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 oh. no. The owner. Oh, oh, the owner oh, oh, just, oh. Do you think the owner oh. cares about going into debt? No, he doesn't. He just wants to win. So you think he's a, he's a Padre for the next fifteen years? I don't want him to be, but I feel like there's a probability. You're talking about how they're going to spend money on Hader or Snell or Luis Garcia, but they could just easily spend that money on Juan Soto. Brett, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think do you think Soto's not someone they want to move? I think I I think I'll move him, but he's asking for an unreasonable price. He's been. I think he wants that contract the Nats were going to give him with a different team, and it makes more sense for the Padres moving forward to trade Juan Soto for pitching prospects for something young pitching, something of that nature, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, it would make sense for them to trade him. Are they going to, are they going to break apart the forehead and mantra that they created half a season ago? I don't think so, but I think it's also the giants are kind of entering a good window to compete. The diamondbacks are clearly entering their window. The Dodgers are always in a window. So they've got to like, they got to identify who they are because they were ready in 2020 and they showed up. They just got beat in the playoffs. 2021, they faltered last year. They kind of showed up, made the playoffs and then they showed up there, but this was supposed to be the mighty mighty Padres, excuse me. And they, they haven't done it. I will give you Kyle Harrison for Juan Soto. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I. Well, you look at the other teams, the other contenders here. The Yankees don't have anything. They have the players that they've called up that have all been horrible. Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe, the other guy that's called up on the team that's not good. Um, you have Jason Dominguez who's going to strike out 560 times a season. The young Yankees core is bad, and I, I think it's time to admit that. It's not very good, and it, it doesn't play well because these guys are all like 20, 21 years old in the most hostile environment in the world for sports, and it's it's not good for them. That's, that's, that's a topic for another day. The point is the Yankees don't have pitching to ship to the Padres. So who is the number one contender for Juan Soto at the deadline? You can find out on Tuesday. So the San Francisco Giants, sorry, shameless plug right there. Um, the San Francisco Giants have done a good job this year. They've gotten really banged around, like banged up. Yeah. They kind of have three starting pitchers and two spot starts. They are a place that might buy at the deadline. This is kind of like if you remove 2021, they are on pace. For this rebuild, like this is kind of where they were supposed to be this year. We said it preseason, they're kind of an 85 to 89 win team. That's what they are right now. Like they're a wild card contending team. And I think that's a good identity for them. If they know who they are and play to their strengths, I think they could be a solid competitor. They've been solid throughout the first half. Logan Webb has had the breakout. We've seen a lot of innings. Alex Cobb has been very good when he's been on the field. Say it, Camille Duvall. He's been good, but he's been good the past couple years. I know, but this is like the seat. Actually, no, he's been he's been good the whole time. No, I I like this Giants team. It seems like they 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 don't know they're that good. They they forget that they're good, and then 
then they remember that they're good, and then they they play really well, and then they forget that they're good, and then they remember that they're good, and then they forget again. I don't know. This is this is gonna be an interesting uh second half to the month of July. We started off pretty rough, but we we're clawing our way back now. Tyro Strada broke his hand. That's like the 80th hand injury we've had this year. We've had a bunch of hamstrings too. Um, I just hope this all-star break was enough to get some of these guys back on the field. The main one for me and the most valuable player to this team at the moment for me was Tyro Estrada, and he broke his hand on a pitch. And I don't know how long that really fares for him. I think it's like a three- to four-week injury. Um, and he's already been out for oh, two weeks now. So I'm hoping that when he comes back, he can be the spark plug in the lineup. I I don't know if it's as much as the Giants – doing well or the top two guys faltering because I mean, obviously the Dodgers have overtaken the Diamondbacks Diamondbacks slowed down a little bit, but we've seen the Dodgers slow down at a certain point. And we saw the giants heat up at a certain point. Do you think this is just a race to see who gets hot at the right time? Cause I feel like if all these teams stay on the same pace, they are now it's going to be an October race. It's going to be the last week of the season, all three of these teams in the same position. Completely biased, but I think there's some truth to it. I think the Dodgers are starting to get hot, like starting to get better. It's kind of hard to go down from what they are, kind of hard to go down from what they were. I think they're starting to get guys back from the IL, minus Clayton Kershaw, who just got set back. Um, I think there's supplements coming in at the trade deadline. So I think they'll get going. The biggest question mark in this division for me is the Diamondbacks, who had a really good first two months, slowed down, and now they've gotten overtaken. They've got Carroll, who's flirted with a couple of shoulder injuries, which is really concerning. Um, I think that could be something that flashes up. Like, if he goes down, they go down. He I'm, is their that rock. Terrified me. I thought he tore his labrum. Shout out, Tom. That's me. Um, but I, 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 thought he, I thought he tore his labrum, and then I checked the lineup the next night. He's in the lineup again. Is that – Stupid for a ball club to send this guy back out the day after he we think he just ruptured his like entire arm. He's saying everything's fine. He's a, he's a competitor, and I mean everyone's a competitor. I mean, is it is it stupid to listen to your players when they are borderline injured? I, I, think, I think all so. the MRIs came back fine though. Hey man, as long as he's all right, I really don't want to see him go down with an injury, even as a division rival. I really like Corbin Carroll. All right, who wins the West, Stevs? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I am in agreement. But I think the Diamondbacks will give them a run. I think the Diamondbacks will heat back up again for a little bit. Tom? Don't say it. Is it the one name you don't want to say? Yeah, the name I will not say. Okay. Um. So I think... Okay, we all have a similar playoff structure, except I have Reds instead of Brewers. Um, so we have three wild card spots. Who is the four seed? I'm going to Diamond go to Giants on this one. I'm going Giants on this one. I think they have a good August. I'm not predicting they have a good uh, July, but I'm thinking August is the month, baby. Um, Stevs? I said Diamondbacks. Okay. I'm going to go Phillies. I like that too. The part I'm conflicted about right now, is it going to be three NL East teams or three NL West teams? Because yeah, I in my five seed, I'm going to take the Giants. At my five seed, I'm taking the 
the Phillies. And that leaves one spot between two teams. And for me, that is... It leaves a spot between two, three teams. Because you said the Reds might not win the division, but they're... That's what, I, that's what I'm... Yeah. That's what like, I'm they're right it's, there. I am predicting... The Marlins. I'm predicting a, a Miami fall off. I'm sorry. I, I love Miami coming into the season, but I don't... How are they so far above 500? I don't understand. I mean, look, I... I predicted them to be like three games over 500 and you guys called me crazy. And I said, you guys are stupid. And we had this great argument and I, and I won the argument. This is great. Uh, Miami good, but I don't think it continues. I really don't. I, I, I had faith in this team, but I didn't, I didn't have a 53 and 39 team in mind and they have a negative run differential still this far into the season. Brad, do I had the Marlins are one in nine against the Braves and have like a negative 50 run differential. If you remove that they're 52 and 30 and they're a plus 45. Take that for what it's worth. So with my third spot, I'm taking Arizona. I'm taking Arizona. I'm I'm, I'm leaving out Cincinnati and um, Miami. Brad, where are you at on this? Processing. I'm we might, processing we, might, we well. might have the same three teams, I think, if it just may be a different order. But, Brad, you really like the Reds. Actually, no, you're picking them to win. So yeah. I think I'm going to go Miami. I think that they can add a they have the ability to add a bat. I think the Marlins and Cardinals could strike another deal. I think like there's outfield depth on the Cardinals. I really just I really just don't know how the deadline's gonna go. Because if the Giants or if either team goes out and strikes out, if both so let's I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil or I'm just gonna play scenarios real quick. If both teams go out and strike out completely at the deadline, they really just can't find any sort of deals for for either of their needs. I think the Giants take it. I'm kind of discounting the the Reds. I think the the young bucks aren't really going to do what they need to do. If one team goes out and gets what they need, that team will make the playoffs. And if mm-hmm. both teams go out and get what they need, I think it's the Marlins. The Marlins need so the really just, they don't need an outfielder to me, I, I in my opinion. Not 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 a second baseman, but a shortstop and a third baseman. I I like De La Cruz. I like Sanchez. Jazz Chisholm hasn't been healthy in eight years, but the team itself I, is pretty well well constructed in the outfield. I like the young talent out there. I have been discounting the Marlins the entire season because I just don't like the Marlins. And I'm going to continue to do it. I'm gonna put the Giants in barely, but I think it's going to be a close race. So Stavis, yeah, yeah. you were Diamondbacks, Phillies, Giants? Yeah. All right. I was saying. Uh, well, I was, the, I was Giants, Phillies, Diamondbacks, but yeah. All right. So that that's kind of our first half recap of the NL. Like we can, we'll get into more awards and stuff. Obviously, like we do our monthly episodes. Um, like that's that's kind of what the awards are. Like they'll give you a highlight of who's been good, who's been performing well, things like that. But another really interesting division, not is the AL Central. Kind of just getting that out of the way. Um. The AL Central has been kind of poo this year. Royals bad, expected. Not historically bad, but we expect them to be bad. The Tigers have been okay, like for their standards. White Sox, very disappointing again. Guardians have been hot and cold. They've kind of gotten themselves in the division race. And the Twins were started off well, and they've just been really bad since. I I don't know who to pick from these two. I mean, they're just... It's a two-team race for you guys too, right? You don't think the, the the Tigers somehow managed to slip in here? No. I'm going with the Twins. 
Um, I know I think I, I believe I said the Guardians last time, but I'm I'm switching up to the Twins. I think the Twins are the better roster at this point, and I think that they can get back to what they were at the beginning of the season. I I agree with that. I think the Twins have been underplaying. Yeah. Uh, like Chicago will be a fun. We'll talk about Chicago probably the most we've talked about them all year over the next two weeks just because of the trade deadline. Kansas City doesn't have much going on. Detroit had a fun start where they were kind of competing, but they're like very overperforming their stuff. Eduardo Rodriguez was a good story. Uh, Zach McKintree's had a good first start. They had Michael Lorenz in the All Star. Um, <laughs> Guardians, Twins, kind of just a mid fest. The Twins are a better team than they've been playing at, and I think they win the division. I don't think there's too much else there. See. I think it's the Twins. I've always I've picked the Twins, not since the jump, but since like the season really started. I think their pitching is just gonna manhandle anything and everything. It like Cleveland's been okay. Jose Ramirez has gotten really hot. Shane Bieber hasn't been that good. The Velo's gone. He's hurt. It, he's hurt. Yeah. The Velo's gone. Uh, Tristan McKenzie's gonna miss the whole season. Pretty much, he had one good start. They, the pitching's been okay. The offense has been so unbelievably garbage. Andre Jimenez has regressed heavily. It's what Tom said before the season, the sophomore slump, it, it hit them hard. Uh, Twins, Correa hasn't gotten going. Kyle, Lewis, not Kyle Lewis, the other one, Royce Lewis. Uh, he's been very solid for them. Joey Gallo hasn't been it. Edward Julian has been their best hitter over the last month. Byron Buxton is the DH hasn't hit it. Michael Taylor has been a good defender, not surprising, but that's about it. I mean, that's that's all it really needs to be said about the AL Central. I feel like there's a lot more movement going on in these other two divisions in the American League. Uh, which one do you want to jump to next, Brad? Let's go to the AL West. Okay. So, story of this season. Oakland Athletics are on a all-time historical bad pace. They were very bad. They went on a seven-game win streak. Uh, they had the reverse boycott. And the literal next day, MLB basically confirms that they are moving to Las Vegas for the next couple of years. Los Angeles Angels finally built a team of MLB average players outside of the stars. And it looked really good until two weeks ago, until July hit, they were in contention. Like, I think we all had postseason genuine hopes for the Angels. I think we were all on board. And then Trout, Rendon go down in the same day. There, Zach Neto's out. Rendon's out. They're... He just got hit with the injury bug, and they're sellers at this point. Anyone? Uh, yeah, I mean, how long? How far are they out of contend? They're five games back of a wild card spot, seven out of the lead. One and nine in the last ten. I mean, when you don't have your stars, I lost uh, five in a row. Jesus, pretty bad. Ah, uh, it's a it's a sad story, but uh, Shohei is no longer going to be an angel. Unfortunately, I don't see it. It's just not good, man. So. My question now is it boils down to does he get moved at the deadline? And I mean, based on all reports, I don't think he will. I mean, again, this is something we can talk about next episode, but based on all reports, I don't think he's going to, but I don't think that's the smartest move for the Angels. I mean, it came out today that they were hearing ideas or hearing proposals, but that doesn't really mean much. Like, you can hear and not do anything about it. Um, it, it's sad. It really is. Like Trout and Otani have been there since 2018, and they haven't had a winning season. That's the. Do you, 
I mean, you see, you see basketball players do it more than baseball players, but do you think Mike Trout starts to ask around? Yes, moved. I think the moment Shohei Otani, if he is traded, I think Trout's like, hey, shot by name, see what gets. Yeah. I don't think if he gets traded, I think if he doesn't, wherever he signs in the offseason, I think he's after after Otani signs with the team. I think I don't gonna... think Shohei Otani signs with the Angels. I think that is out of the question oh, at think... this point. I, I don't fully agree with that, but I don't fully disagree with that either. Because again, we talked about it last episode. It's entirely possible that they trade him to get assets and then say hey we're going to trade you to get these assets and you can come back if we're going to we have an offer sheet ready for you. Isn't that's entirely possible but as soon as as soon as Otani signs I think there will be rumblings of of Mike Trout being unhappy and whatever whatever. And a team that is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is the Angels as they have two less losses is the Seattle Mariners who were kind of middling for three months and they've kind of gotten it going recently. It feels like a team that's kind of always been stirring to get going. Uh, they've they pitch very well. They're the best pitching team in baseball right now, which is really shocking uh, in terms of Fangraphs war. Julio's not been great. Their best offensive player has been, I want to say it's like Jose Caballero or something like that. It's just not been good on their side. Gino's regressed heavily. Jared Kelnick's taken a huge step back. Cal Raleigh's been okay. But it just a lot hasn't gone right for the Mariners. And it feels like they have a better second half coming their way. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be one of my hotter takes, that they have a really good second half, as they did last year, too. Um, I think once they get it moving, um, there won't won't be much to stop them, in my opinion. Um, I'm more worried about the top two guys in this division um, and what you guys think about what's going to – how this is going to finish. Um you want to just 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 get right into that, or you want to talk? You want to recap these two teams? And we we can do both at the same time. Okay, Astros Rangers. Um, obviously the Rangers have been slipping a little bit. Brad, you mentioned that statistic; they've been pretty bad since you know end of June. Mm-hmm. Actually, before the big actually. middle of it, yeah, yeah. And the Astros have been sl- slowly creeping up to the AOS spot. Uh, I guess the question is. Do the Astros catch the Rangers? Do they blow them out of the water? Or do the Rangers find themselves again as they literally have the entire all-star team on their roster? The best thing, the best indicative stat of future success is run differential. It's like expected win-loss is there for a reason. It's not because, hey, this is what we expect them to have been. It's kind of a sign like, hey, going forward, like this is a pretty good indicator that they're going to succeed slash fail. And the Rangers blow the Astros out of the water with that. However, this is like the first time we've really seen the Astros get bit by the injury bug in this whole rebuild and basically dynasty that we've seen at this point. And they haven't had Altuve for the entire season. He's back on the IL right now. Jordan Alvarez is out. They're not going to have Michael Brantley this year. They are missing three starters for the year. And they're two games out. I'm still picking the Rangers. I, I I think the Rangers offense has been struggling recently, but I still think deep down they're still, I think they have the best offense in baseball right now. Um, I think you're forgetting a team, very specific team. The Rays? No, the Braves. Uh, I mean, let me compare offensive war. I actually, the Braves month of June was historic in terms of. I th- they had a 944 OPS as a team. Yeah. Um. 
It's close, but yeah, Texas. Hold on. I I mean I don't know this roster top to bottom. It's the it's the Rangers in the American League and the Braves in the National League for you know offensive juggernauts. And I mean, despite losing Jacob Degrom, they're still getting really good, you know, production from their pitchers. You know, guys I wouldn't have thought of. You know, Nathan Yavaldi, John Gray, um, some good relief pitchers too. I think Chapman will continue to be good too. I. I just like the Rangers as a whole going forward. I like I like Houston's pitching staff. Surprisingly, they've been really good despite all the injuries. But I think Texas takes it. Stevs? Okay. So I've been, I've been thinking about this. The, the Rangers haven't won a series since the White Sox back on in June, June like 19th, I think. It was like that around that time frame. They have lost every series. There's 12 of their last 20. They've lost 12 of their last 20. They they are on a skid. But with that being said, I think that means the All-Star break hit at a perfect time to give them. I mean, they lost to and they lost in the series to the Washington Nationals. I mean, that's not a that's not a good sign. You don't want that to happen. So I think I'm gonna go with the Rangers, but I I would not be surprised by any stretch of imagination if if Houston does take over. And I mean, I, I just want to mention before Brad, before you make your point, they they do have quite the gauntlet to go through. I mean, obviously they're playing the Guardians right now, who aren't the best, but then they get to play the Rays, and they get to play the Dodgers, and then they get to play the Astros, and then you know if the time uh, allows, the Padres if they heat up. There's a lot of hard teams for this 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 team to go through uh, in the next month. So if that makes a difference in your decision, I think. The thing I saw was they played 25 games in 25 days. And that has a really big tax on a team. And they had a break to kind of reset from that. But it's also the Astros. And it's so hard to count the Astros out, right? I think they're neck and neck. I think this will probably be the closest division race of like actual competition going down the stretch. Um, This isn't saying that the... Guardians and Twins are going to be competition. They're kind of just going to be who can suck less. And I don't know. I think Houston's high-end pitching is better than the Rangers' high-end starting pitching. Christian Javier has been a real disappointment this year. Fran Valdez has stepped up to be an ace. Oh, man, this is difficult. Um, I'm going to go Houston. And... It's based on one person and one person alone. Jordan Alvarez. There's very few batters that enter a lineup and change the complexion of a lineup, and he is one of them. <laughs> what? You you had that guy once. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> you you're you're done. Former former Dodgers. You legend. had him on the Dodgers. Yeah. You traded him. Brad Brad's gonna pull up like an article about the Giants, like just. Literally losing it. No, don't mention Brian Reynolds. You don't have to do it. I wasn't going to. Okay. This Brian is. Reynolds. I. I. We'll talk about this more when we get to the wild card. But I got some interesting takes there. Let's go to the AL East. Okay. Um. This is a good division. This is still the good, the best division in baseball. It has not changed. The Red oh, Sox this are, one's. The Red Sox are still five games over a hundred. Five. Five games over five hundred. <laughs> five games over five hundred. You know what I'm saying? They're still good, and everyone in this division. He's well above 500, and I don't – it sucks because three of these teams aren't going to make the playoffs, I, I, in my opinion. So, 
do you think any of these teams sell? Do you think there's much movement going on in this division in terms of selling at, in any way? I think every team buys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's including I, the Red Sox. Yeah, I think I mean, the Red Sox are a good week away from being a legitimate playoff contender. Like they are, I believe in the Red Sox more than I do in the Yankees right now. I do too. I, I think, I, and, and even going into the future too, I like the Red Sox more than the Yankees. I, the Red Sox have a legitimate offense. Their pitching has somehow been manageable for Red Sox standards. And I mean, it's playing. I think they have one of the better run differentials in the American League East. Let me see. Plus 27, it's fourth. Only team worse is the Yankees. Yeah, that's the Yankees though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't finish last. I, that's all I'm going to say. I think the Yankees are in that in that. And honestly, finishing last in the AL East doesn't say too much because I mean, there are there are teams leading their divisions that would still finish lower than these guys. So yeah. AL Central, um, but it's all about the the winner of this division. Um, do you think there's any fluctuation? I because the Rays have skidded as well a little bit. I think the Yankees are going to finish last. I agree. I think the Rays will not win the division. I think it's going to Baltimore, baby. Oh, I need to see what again. I want to. I want to make these predictions again. Like yeah, after the deadline, it's just like mm, Tampa. They're so good, but they've just been so mid ever since that fantastic beginning. So, like, if you cherry pick, you do Tom's favorite thing. You remove that 13 game win streak. They're 48, or sorry, they're 45 and 35. Oh, good. But it's good. But it's, if you look at 45 and 35, that's a five, it's a 562 winning percentage, which would put them second in the division. Second. So, I, the, the pitching staff, the pitching staff is very banged up right now. I mean, if Shane goes down, that adds to the list of Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, um, Taj Bradley's. Is he back down in the minors now? I I don't know. What he's happened been to him. bad. He's been bad because they sent him down to the minors. I stand he's by this. Um, I think he's my, got like a huge discrepancy in expected ERA though. Look, my my I I think a team in the AL East is going to fluctuate, and I and it's not a team that we've mentioned at all. I think it's the Blue Jays. I I think they fall out of contention. I really do. I mean, this team I had going into the season as one of the best um, in baseball, and I just have been insanely disappointed by this team. Um, and I, I the way they've been playing, just a mediocre baseball. Um, I see it as completely possible that they fall out of wild card contention to another team, um, which I'll probably mention in a couple of minutes, but I, I, I don't know if I like the Blue Jays going forward. Uh, I'll reassess this, this thought. Cause I, I love the Blue Jays, what they've done to develop this team, but they're, they're not necessarily stand out in anything. And that's what I thought they would be this season. You remember how before uh, the season, have... sorry, you're good. Go ahead. You go back. You remember how before the season I had us do most important for every team. Yeah. yeah, that most important has changed to Alec Manoa. Yeah, Dalton it's Bar- him and I Vladimir talk, Guerrero. Think, didn't we? Didn't we talk about this last episode? Or like a couple? Of, didn't we talk about this last episode? We talked about his return, like how it was very yeah, like good, if, and how it's like if if well, no, we talked about if going forward, if he is high, we might have, maybe it was off air. I don't know. We've talked, but we talked about it before. If he is on the 
Blue Jays are on a great pace, but if he is not on, the Blue Jays are not going to be on a good pace. I think that Vladdy Jr. not being that good by his standards has been really bad for them. Like, there's a huge discrepancy in Woba and expected Woba. A 342 versus a 395. That's a big difference. He doesn't strike out too much. He's above average in strikeout rate. It's an average walk tool. It's just, if he goes, the offense goes. And this this heralded Blue Jays offense hasn't been that heralded of an offense. I, I think it's literally just a, a launch angle problem with Vladdy. I mean... Something is going on with the swing where he just like wants to hit it online. I mean, he he's someone with enough power to hit it out of the park. Let, let me can we can hold on. Hey, let Tom, me pull Tom, up. I just want Hi. you to guess what's his launch angle compared to 2021? Is it the same? It's 0.3 lower. It's up five degrees from last year. Do you think it's something a balancing act here? Hold on, because it might be a. Like a lot of fly balls, a lot of ground that's balls. What, that's what I'm saying. I it, let me see the line drive percentage compared to what it was before. It's the um, highest it's ever been. Well, that makes sense. Uh, there's less balls in the. I don't know. Hold on. He clearly has the power to get over the fence. We saw the home run derby. Um, hold on. I'm still pulling this up. I don't. There we go. Yeah, the fly ball percentage in the last two seasons has not been very impressive. Um. I mean, this is a Yandy situation now. I, I think he's hitting the ball directly into the ground extremely hard. And it's also a pitcher adjustment to him. I mean, obviously the pitchers have seen what pitches he can hit, but he doesn't necessarily have slow bat speed. I think he can catch up to the high fastball. And that he's, was not, he he's not swinging and missing as much. This might just be a guy who has a big second half. And if he does, the Blue Jays are contenders. But they are just as easily not. Yeah, I mean, hardest hard hit percentage of his career, highest ex Woba since his uh second MVP season, his runner up MVP season. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm more concerned about the pitching staff for this team. Um, obviously, you have our AL Cy Young guy, Kevin Gosman, but beyond that, I don't know. I would just like to remind everyone that I picked him for second in Cy Young voting. Everyone boo Brad. Okay. <laughs> this is tough now because no matter what the stats reflect, it doesn't matter if if the Blue Jays continue at this pace. They've been pretty consistent this season. They've never, they haven't really slipped. They haven't gone on hot streaks. They've been pretty consistent at what they're doing. So what's to say a team like the Mariners doesn't come out of nowhere and goes on a on a on a hot tear and, and just overtakes a team like the Blue Jays. I I see that. I think that I want you guys to say your division winners. I'm picking the Rays to win the division. And and for Stas, go ahead. Stas? Stas? <laughs> what happened, what? Steve? <laughs> I go ahead. Go. I literally just talked. Oh, it was very mumbly. Yeah, it was very quiet. Oh, I literally said the Rays earlier. We were talking about it earlier. Okay. I said Rays, and, Brad, and I was like, the Orioles. And I was like, what? It's not out of the ordinary. I mean, they're two games I mean, back. It's not. It's, it's I could definitely they've cut that deficit. That was, yeah. what, 10 games? Yeah. And, I mean, the Orioles have shown a little more consistency than other ball clubs in the game. Um, For my first wild card spot, I'm obviously going to take the Orioles, who I think finished with the second-best record in the American League. Um. 
in second place. Wait, actually, go ahead. Let's go around the board. First place in the wild card. Brad, who's your first wild card spot? The Rays. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Stevs, are you picking Orioles? In my second spot, I'm picking Stevs. Who's your sorry? O's. Ah. Speak up. I'm speaking at a normal tone. <laughs> Speak up for me. Okay, and then I, number two, I had Houston um, for my second wild card spot. Says where are you at on this one? Uh, I am in Houston. Brad, where are you at? Texas. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I haven't three, decided my last one yet. Number three. I'm still deciding this one, too. Okay. I'm going, with, I'm going with the Mariners. I'm going with the Mariners. I'm picking the Mariners to overtake the Blue Jays. I'm doing it. Big ball and pick, Stavs. All right, Stavs. Have you just? Blue Jays. Okay, so boring. It's boring. Just me. It's just me. Okay. All right, here, here we go. I, okay. Hello, wild card standings. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be. I just it, think Seattle's getting hot at the right time, and I think that. Toronto they haven't played it. Have, have they played a game today? No, they're playing the Tigers. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't count. That's not a real team. Part of their schedule. Yeah. I would also like to point out that the Astros have a two series versus Oakland, two series versus the Tigers, and two series versus the Royals. All this half, if that sways your interest at all. Um, Justin Turner just homered. Nice. Oh. Um. Okay. I think this is a three-team race for the six seed. I think it is the two you guys have mentioned, the Blue Jays and the Mariners. And I think it's the Boston Red Sox. I think, yep, there it is. Respectable. Respectable. Write that down. Write that down. It's they're, They are a god-awful pitching team. They cannot pitch very well. James Paxson has been their best starting pitcher this year. Uh, hey, Chris, Chris Sale is gone. The Yankees are bad. They can't hit. They fire their hitting coach middle of the season. If they don't have Judge, they don't go. That's fine. Aaron Judge injury update. Because if he if he's out for another month, I think the Yankees are done. His toe is still not healed. Okay. Yes, that is what he is saying. No timetable for return. He has stank toes. Uh, oh, man. Okay, so... Okay, do you think Seattle's in this race? So Seattle, Blue Jays, um, Boston? That sucks. I think the Yankees have to be in it. Just yeah, get, get them out of there, though. I think they're the first team out. I think like they're the first team out of this race. I think the Red Sox are solely an offensive-based, unless they go add at the deadline a starting pitcher. Seattle's pitching's been really good. I feel like they're due for some positive regression just all across the board. I'm going to look at it. Expected stats. Team. Seattle. Mariners update. Okay. Let's see. The Mariners have all been unlucky. Every single one of them besides J.P. Crawford. He just sucks. Um, He's actually probably been their He's been their best Woba hitter this year. Okay. Let's go team. Um, Cal Rally, above league average. Jared Kelnick, Ty France, Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez, Eugenio Suarez, all above average Exquobas. They're all underperforming. I am going, God, I don't like this, the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. I it's because I don't yeah. think I don't think the Blue Jays are good. I think they're I think fine. They- 
think they're good. I just think I that think, the, the I think are... they are good. And that's that is their ceiling right now. I think they are good and a consistent team, which I'm going to take the consistency over the highs and the lows of the Seattle Mariners. The fact that Toronto has been playing pretty consistent throughout the whole season and Seattle had a really bad start and yet there's only a four game difference between the two says that this difference should be I think they're going to cut the gap quicker than we think. They could um, but they could just as easily go on another slump. It's it's just as possible as them to go on a run. No, nah, it hasn't really been it hasn't been like a it's been like a this that's the whole season the Mariners have just been like this. They go up no, they don't come crazy. It's not a bell curve. It's not a bell curve, Steph. Nope. The bell curve. The bell curve. Uh, the bell curve for the win. Oh, my God. Uh, the thing is, right, Seattle's a fine – like, they're, they're both very good ball clubs. And uh, I think the Blue Jays are a playoff team. Just they happen to be in the American League. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think the Red Sox are a playoff team. They just happen to be in the American League. I think that these teams are better iterations than the 2022 Blue Jays in the postseason and the 2021 Red Sox in the postseason. I think they're both better teams than that. It's just I think the competition around them is so much steeper because it's there's not too many mid-teams, is there? I don't think there's many mid-teams in the American League. Like no, because it, it goes it goes from it goes from five games back of the wild card to ten games to thirteen to twenty-four. Yeah. So, there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot less balance in the in the American League. Like you have four teams that are ten games under 500, 11 games under five hundred, and then you have three five hundred teams. One one of them is a division winner right now. You have the Mariners who are getting hot, the Angels who are probably going to go join that group down there, and then you have the contenders. It's not like there's. You know, a kind of kind of like the National League, right? The National League has one, two, three, four, five. They have seven. They have nine teams who are within ten games above or below five hundred. Yeah, it's unfortunate for them, but it's just the truth. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what this says about the sport, but. Uh, it might have to be something that gets addressed in, in at the end of the season because I think a lot of these ball clubs will be pretty salty that they missed out on the postseason when there are teams like the Twins that made the postseason. But that's a conversation for another. Actually, we had that conversation a couple times, but we'll have that in the offseason when they're actually talking about it. And something else we're going to talk about this offseason, a little teaser as we wrap up the episode, is Rob Manfred over the All-Star break discussed once the Oakland Athletics and Tampa Bay Rays stadium situations are figured out, we're looking at expansion. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. The first half has been quite fun. New changes are happening. There's some great series this weekend. We've got a big NL Central series, a couple playoff contenders trying to prove themselves. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We do appreciate it. If you have enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review, sharing this with a friend. Please leave a suggestion for us if you need something for us to improve on. You have suggestions. We do appreciate you. We'll see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace. Steve!